Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice, the podcast where I, Quinn Cummings, give advice to people I do not know. If you're joining us for the first time, you may be asking yourself, does Quinn really want to give me bad advice? And the answer is no, I do not want to give you bad advice. I want to give you good advice. But I have absolutely no qualification to give you any sort of advice at all. I am not a family practitioner. I am not a facilities planner. I am not a ferret breeder. I give advice because it amuses me to do so. So you might be asking yourself, will this advice I'm about to give you be good advice? Well, I think the answer is in the title of the podcast. If you want me to give you bad advice, you can leave a question for me at qcbad.com. It's completely anonymous, and better yet, it's completely free. So I can offer up this advice with a 100% money-back guarantee. Now, let's get started. My first question today comes from the Northern Twitter Territories. Dear Quinn, Let's say you received a job offer from a company you find morally reprehensible on a large scale. This theoretical company essentially operates as the propaganda wing of the country's ruling party. Yet everyone you speak to on the ground has good things to say about their personal time there, and they just try not to think about their company's leaders on TV. This offer is also nearly double your current salary. I guess I'm really asking what a human soul is worth. The money is dearly needed, but I don't want to serve the bottom line of a company I personally loathe. I understand. Can you split the difference? Figure out exactly how much money you'd need to have in the bank to feel safe again. Budget a life where you live skinny and bank every cent you can. How long would it take at this salary that you would get to get there? Can you stand working for the devil that long? Can you take the time working for Satan Co. to learn some new skills? Skills you can take to a new company once that time is up. I know you'll be okay whether you decide to take the job or not, but I don't want you to think you've sold your soul if you do decide to work there. All major corporations are, at best, morally ambiguous. Most have pockets of outright evil. Good people still have to eat and not live under a park bench. If you choose to work there, have an exit strategy and stay focused. This one comes from Twitter. Dear Quinn, my ex-husband and I are generally friendly. Should I let him sleep on the couch when he visits for Thanksgiving? He's here to see the kids. Why not? The only downside I can imagine is that holidays can be fraught, and you may find yourself devoutly not to be looking at his face at some point in those few days. Were it my ex, I think I'd just go with honesty, and if I get overwhelmed, say something like, Ted, take the kids and go to the park. I need an hour to myself. You will be modeling sane co-parenting and healthy boundaries to your kids while also getting an hour off. In that hour, have a cup of coffee, Commend yourself for being a really good mother and go prod the turkey in the fridge to see how it's thawing. This one comes from QCBad.com. Dear Quinn, I am a creative person. 
Fingers in lots of pies like theater and music and whatnot. This puts me around other creative people, and I love that, and I love, well, most of them. I'm generally considered good at the things I've undertaken, and I am not unnoticed or unappreciated. Unfortunately, something in my nature just can't let go of jealousy when someone who isn't me gets an accolade or achieves an accomplishment, even if I didn't actually put forth any effort to do the thing they got praise or attention for doing. Conscious brain is happy for them. Under-the-surface brain is bitter and envious. Any idea how I can tame that? Gorvidal is rumored to have said, Every time a friend succeeds, I die a little. So, you're not alone. And you say that your frontal lobe is, for the most part, pleased for these artists. It's just that damn lizard brain, the part of us tasked with keeping us alive, that resents them because lizards know resources are finite. If another lizard got a bug, that's a bug you can no longer eat. Those bitter feelings are perfectly reasonable if you are a lizard. You are not a lizard. The creative arts are not bugs. It's an antiquated and reflexive feeling you're having. My advice would be, treat the feeling as energy and actively redirect it. Someone got a job and it's rumbling up? Take yourself to a painting class or an African dance class, something you don't usually do. So instead of worrying about the thing that is yours, you can embrace being new to something again. A secondary benefit of doing something new is not only are you engaged, you're expected to be awkward. It's harder to be bitter when you're trying not to fall down. This one comes from Twitter. Hooking up with a coworker. Yay or nay? Well, it depends. Is this the last human being on Earth? Then sure, I guess so. If there are other people on this planet you find in any way sexy with whom you could hook up, why in God's name would you create a situation which has virtually no way of ending well? Because hooking up is fun and without labels until one of you stops feeling exactly the same amount of cheerful nothing they used to feel, and then it gets complicated. Two weeks later, HR is involved. Try to arrange your life to involve HR as rarely as you possibly can. And if there's no HR department, try to arrange your life as if you have an inner HR department in your head. In other words, I wouldn't. Dear Quinn, my mom had to move to a nursing home. She is not adjusting well. She's very depressed. Three siblings live in her town, but don't want to take her in. I have offered, but I live two hours away and have a four-year-old and no bedrooms on the first floor, so my mom doesn't think it would work. I feel terrible, but I don't know what to do. Find out exactly what's bothering her. Is it the place, or is it what the place means? If it's the place... Maybe talk with the siblings about doing some research. See if there's a home that's a better fit. If it's just the whole, I'm living with a bunch of elderly people and this all feels really meaningless, that's a harder one to resolve. 
but it might be worth having a conversation with a psychologist who specializes in geriatric patients. A lot of elderly people respond very well to antidepressants. Aging is not for the weak, and we should have all the tools we can get. This one comes from Twitter. Dear Quinn, I'm lost and stuck financially. How do I take the pressure off while still maintaining a mindset of responsibility? I'm in my 20s, have zero savings, and am paying off maybe $500 of credit card debt. Of course, you're feeling lost and stuck financially. You're in your 20s and it's 2019. But your situation is fine. And more important, it's fixable. By the way, since you didn't mention crushing college loan debts, I'm going to assume they don't exist and whatever life situation allowed for that to happen, thank the hair of Susie Orman for it. Let's go looking for some extra income without spending any money to get there. Do you have a skill? Is there something you did in high school or college as an extracurricular? Did you cheer, play a sport, sing choir? Were you on the stage crew for theater? Great. Find some way to volunteer in those fields. Now, while you're volunteering, look around and ask yourself, what would people pay a certain amount of money to know right now and not have to wait around to learn? Volunteering doing something you always liked will be a fun way to information gather. And remember, the more specific the problem you solve, the fewer people will need it, but the more excited the target audience will be to have that solution and the more likely they will be to pay for it. You want to start making money faster? Teach yourself how to be a bartender. You can use library books, YouTube. Once you know your drinks and can pour with confidence, apply for jobs. The hours are hard on people with full-time day jobs, but you're in your 20s, which is the last decade where sleep can be optional, at least one or two days a week. And the stories you will collect as a bartender will hold you at dinners with friends for years. Finally, I want you to give yourself a lot of credit. You are responsible, you're adaptive, and you're a creative problem solver. How do I know this? I asked for questions on Twitter, and you thought, Eh, can't hurt. That's the kind of person who prevails. This one comes from QCBad.com. Hi. My son has been acting since he was 11. He's now 17. He had an early success at 12 to 13 in a big film that bombed, yet his reps kept re-signing him. He's a normal New Jersey high school kid who has typical interests, good friends, and occasionally goes on auditions in New York or self-tapes for Los Angeles. Gets callbacks on rare occasions. Few bookings. He mostly does and really enjoys doing NYU and Columbia student films. And he is Screen Actors Guild, so very little commercial work. At what point should he give up? Why should he give up? From what you say, he's enjoying the process of it, and it's just a nice addition to his life. Honestly, it sounds to me as if you're more invested in an outcome than he is. You raised a healthy, balanced kid who knows what he likes. When he doesn't like it anymore, you'll know, and then he will. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, does anyone like their middle name? 
Dear Quinn, I'm about to change my last name from a double last name to just one of them, keeping my father's. I'm doing this because I don't relate well to most of my mother's family, and because having a double last name is frustrating. Also, my mother's pre-married last name is terribly common. My mother understands and accepts this part, but is dead set against my changing my middle name at the same time. I've never liked my middle name, but she did put thought into it and picked it out especially for me. She says it's the first gift she gave me. I'm not changing my first name, which I feel is the most important thing she picked out, and I've even picked out a new middle name with the same initial. She says she feels like it would be a rejection of her side of the family if I changed it just because I didn't like it. But she's right. I don't like it. I'm not picking out some novelty middle name, just a different one. Am I being the jerk here for wanting a new middle name? No, you're not. It's yours to do with as you see fit. I suspect your mother's feelings have something to do with grief. She associates picking your names with a time of happiness and of hope. And you're saying, yeah, but I don't like it, clouds those memories. You aren't just changing your name. You're rejecting her. She won't say that because she knows it's not rational. So she makes it into you're rejecting my family, which sounds equally irrational but less personal. I say, let her grieve. Let her tell you about the day she picked the name. Listen to her feelings. Then do what you think is right for you. You have to live with that name far longer than she will, and honestly, once it's done, how often does your middle name come up? I suspect the lead-up to the name change is worse for the two of you than the aftermath will be. Once she can't talk you out of changing it, once it's officially changed, fingers crossed, You'll go back to talking about other things. All right, we have a first. My producer is consort. I finished that answer, and he looked at me and said, this is the first time that I disagree with you. I'm going to paraphrase what he said. You don't use your middle name that often. It doesn't actually bug you all that often. It will hurt your mother to change it. Maybe let her have this one. So now you have both pieces of advice. This one comes from Twitter. If I walk my dog past the house and the dog inside goes nuts, is that on me or the people who live there? Do I need to find a different route? The one who has options is always the one at fault. Yes, the dog needs training, but you don't have to be there. The dog does. You don't need to find a different route, but it would be polite if you did. This one comes from Twitter. Dear Quinn, two months before my wedding this year, my fiancé left me, saying he couldn't handle my fairly mild, really, anxiety. He said I had tricked him into believing he was in a relationship with a normal person. What is the best way to get over someone who has 1,000% broken your heart, your confidence, and made you feel like you'll be alone and unlovable forever? I suspect 
suspect you fell in love with a sociopath. It happens. It actually happens a lot relative to their percentage of the population because they're capable of feigning the most appealing blend of human emotions. Your vulnerability, your honesty, your basic decency entertained him until it didn't. Some sociopaths kill people. Mercifully, yours contented himself with just killing your self-worth. I am so sorry. Now, what do you do? You begin by realizing you were lied to when he left you. I suspect he lied all during the relationship in large and small ways, but you know for a fact that he lied when he left because you, who would know better than anyone, say your anxiety is fairly mild, and he framed it like you were Sylvia Plath and you couldn't be trusted with a working oven. He lied, and the things he put in your head, the things that are rattling around screaming right now, are also lies. I give you permission to grieve for the future that now won't be, the future with him. Your heart is broken. Your trust is shattered. Both will mend, but only as quickly as they will and not one second before. Of course, you're lovable. You want to know how lovable you are? Go have lunch with an old friend and look at their face when they're looking at you. Surround yourself right now with people who think you're wonderful. Possibly do a little reading about sociopaths, see if that's who he was. And remind yourself that as much pain as you are in, he did you the biggest favor in the world. Because he could have decided to wait and do this after the two of you were married and had children, as happened to a friend of mine. I cannot tell you how bad it is when this kind of person has a child to use as leverage. You got away. And you will be fine. Okay, I think that's enough bad advice for today. And remember, I can't give you bad advice if you don't ask for it. Your question doesn't have to be profound, complex, or emotionally demanding. It can be about pretty much anything because, let's face it, I am unqualified to offer advice across a wide range of subject matter. And as we all know, sometimes the nuttiest question gets the best bad advice. You can reach me on Twitter, at Quincy. That's Q-U-I-N-N-C-Y at Twitter.com. Or you can post a question to QCBAD.com. Just log into letter Q, letter C, B-A-D.com, and there's a question form right there. The question can be any length, but I'm finding they work better if they're shorter. Just a hint. Before I go, I'd like to thank Richard Emmett, who composed my groovy music, and Keith Greenstein, who designed my groovy logo. People have already started asking me how they can get a bad advice fork in a toaster t-shirt or coffee mug, and my answer to them is, hang in there, we are working on it. I also want to thank Phil Rohr and Prime Rib Productions for making it possible for you to hear any of this. Okay, that's enough for now. Keep those questions coming, and I'll see you all next time.